This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. And now, from the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Mind Your Business with the Wharton Small Business Development Center. Knowledge, advice, and insight into starting, building, and managing a small business. Here is your host, Lauren Feldman. Welcome to Mind Your Business. I'm Lauren Feldman. I'm the Senior Editor of Entrepreneurship at Forbes. As usual today, we're not going to tell you how to run your business. The show is about ideas and strategies and conversations, and we want to have those conversations with you. We're doing open calls. Any questions or concerns about your business, anything that's keeping you up at night, call us at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. And as always, this is a safe space for business owners. If you're struggling with something, trust me, someone else listening to the show is struggling with it too. And back with us today to discuss those questions is our frequent guest, Gene Marks, owner of a consulting firm, The Marks Group that specializes in helping business owners with their technology needs, especially customer relations software, but other stuff too. Gene is also a regular contributor at Forbes.com slash small business, as well as for many other publications. Welcome back to Mind Your Business, Gene. Thank you for having me, Lauren. It's great to see you, and happy holidays. And to you, too. It's great to have you here in the studio. Fun. We appreciate you taking the time. Cold outside. Uh, It is a little cold outside, Mm -hmm. but not in here. Nope. Um, How's your business doing? Pretty good, actually. We've had a good year. This is uh, slow now at the end of December. I don't know if a lot of other business owners have the same thing, but I don't want to say that my business is seasonal, but um, if anybody were to ask me, and sometimes people do, the last two weeks of December and the last two weeks of August are usually like slow times of the year for me. So um, we use this time to take time off, to clean up our database, <laughs> to have our holiday lunch, to meet, to talk, to whatever. It's That's what we normally deal with. You know, we got a uh, a caller on the line. Let's go right to uh, to John in Iowa. Welcome to Mind Your Business, John. Well, hi. Good morning. Thank you. You got a great show. I listen uh, quite often. Thank you. Appreciate that. We we are starting a uh, several million dollar startup. Okay, we're seeding the company with about six hundred thousand dollars of skin in the game, and we're going to get the money from a single corporation if we can. If not, then. We're going to go the route of looking into some venture capital firms that are probably located either in Austin or Silicon, Silicon Valley or both. Uh, we have come up with a new, a new not a trick, but two, two added items that are currently not being undertaken, if you will, uh, by fintech companies that are in the marketplace. And we think that this is going to give us a really strong, effective strategy for being able to uh, uh, pick up more market uh, uh, activity than some of the existing companies. So what we're doing is an enhancement or an improvement to existing uh, things that are being done. However, we need uh, entry-level individuals. We're just starting out. We, we don't have tons of money to throw at uh, human resources, but we do want to get some good quality people. Uh, we're up in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, and I've thought about actually going and trying to you know, uh, scope out, if you will, a, a couple of uh, graduate students from, like, the University of Minnesota or maybe a couple of the other local good business colleges and basically tell them that we might have an opportunity for you to work on an internship-level basis. My big concern and the question why I'm calling here is, do you agree that the, the best thing for me to do, if I don't want to let the cat out of the bag with regard to 
what it is that's really unique and special about us is to go maybe and, and, and uh, see if we can't find a really good intellectual property attorney and, and get, 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 get us, you know, pay a retainer, if you will, and get him to uh, grease the skids on uh, all of the non-disclosure agreements that are going to be necessary. And do you think that that would be effective for individual uh, uh, at, at the student level? In other words, can we depend on them to not say anything uh, <laughs> once we disclose what we're doing? And I, I'll hang up and, and, and No, ha- hang on. And... St- stick around, John. Um Neither G nor I is an IP attorney, uh, so. <laughs> but, but we've dealt with it with intellectual property issues before. Uh, I've talked to people who have, and I'm, I'm yeah, sure you've had to deal. That, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on it, Gene? Yeah, I mean, so John. So first of all, um, the more documentation, the better. Your your question, first of all, was should I should I hire an intellectual property attorney? And um, considering how important you know that IP is to your business. Um, you know, really at the get-go, and because you're at such an early stage, it does sound like a priority. And I realize you don't have a whole lot of money, but if you're willing to spend a little bit of money and have a good internet, you know, a non-disclosure agreement set up, um, you absolutely should be doing it. I mean, to me, it's kind of a no-brainer. Now, the question is, will it work and will it be enforceable? I mean, you're dealing with students, um, you know, grad students or whatnot. You know, you're always going to have the, the the risk that somebody's going to take some of your your stuff and, and run away with it. Um, and then you're going to have to chase them down to try and, you know, what's your recourse if that happens? And that's like that really with any contract or agreement with a small business. Sometimes it's really tough to enforce those agreements, uh, particularly if you just don't have the time or the resources or whatnot. But in your case in particular, um, if you are really, really concerned about your intellectual property, you know, being taken and, and used by somewhere else and by bringing in outsiders, um, you want to try and protect yourself the best as possible. Uh, to me, I'm like, you know, if you've got the money, why wouldn't you have a good IP attorney uh, or create a good, you know, NDA, um, you know, for you? It seems like kind of a no-brainer. I mean, Lauren, do you agree? I, I think that makes sense. The one thing I would say is in, in most of the conversations I've had on this kind of issue, the advice seems to be, you know, there's only so much you can protect yourself. Right. Do what you can. Do the best you can. But Proceed. You know, there's nothing you can do. There's, there's no better use of your time than proceeding to build this business. And don't get too caught up on worrying about non-disclosure agreements and the like. You got to build the business. And once once you do build the business, the, the cat's out of the bag anyway. You know, you're going to deal with competition at some point. Uh, build the business, John. The the other thing I can also add is um, I have uh, some clients that I have in the biotech and the pharmaceutical space. They they're doing kind of what you did. They they're small startups. And they partnered with larger pharmaceutical companies like, you know, like like Abbott and you know, J&J and uh, would purchase, you know, a certain equity interest in their company. If you you had mentioned that you were down the road doing that, if you you know, if, if that's something that's that's could happen um, and it could happen sooner rather than later, um, you can really lean on the resources of a company as a, your partner to not only provide the the IP attorneys, but also to provide any type of. Um, resources. You should build this into your agreement um, that they can lend whatever resource or you know you know they've got significant resources to protect you and also go after anybody um, that might violate any of your you know or, or give away any of your property. So um, it, having a large partner would be a big help. Is that helpful, John? That's very helpful. And just uh, two uh, pieces of feedback, very briefly. Uh, we are actually purposefully uh, aligning ourselves with a large corporation that we feel it's in their best interest because we're going to part of the agreement uh, for giving us some money. We're going to, we're going to basically cut loose on 20% of our revenue. 
mm, forever. It's fine. So we, we do want to partner with that. And having a, a, a company or, excuse me, a, a larger corporation that's got more clout to it, uh, that's an excellent uh, tip for me. It tells me that maybe we should uh, go to the intellectual property attorney and see if we couldn't put in a, a clause there that says uh, these people are going to come after you also. And, uh, you know, there's, there's unlimited supplies of uh, revenue to come after you with. Um, so, yeah, you've helped me a great deal in that regard. So thank you so much. Best of luck with it. Good luck. Feel free to call back and let us know how it goes. If you have a question about your business, please give us a call at 1-844-WARDEN. That's 1-844-942-7866. I thought we were going to talk taxes. We are going to talk taxes. guy calls up with an intellectual property. This is unbelievable. <laughs> Keep them coming. Let's talk taxes, Gene. All right. We'll talk taxes. Uh, you're the perfect person to have this conversation because <laughs> there's a lot going on right now. You're a, an accountant. Yes. Um, I'm not going to make you tell your story no, again about you how you heard it too many audited times. the wrong yeah. bank branch. You don't want to hear um, that. But, uh, but people can find that if they want to look for it. But you are, in fact, a CPA and a yes. small business owner. So and, you, and you know how I know I'm a CPA, Lauren? Because for this past month, I've been getting all of my, my credits, my continuing education credits. Because you want to keep it up. Yes, of course. And I have to sit there in these agonizingly boring Why do you classes. want to keep it up? You're a business owner It's a really now. good question. I got my CPA back uh, years ago, and um, it is it helps me with my business. It adds, you know, credibility I'm, i don't do taxes and you don't want me doing your taxes i'm that. not that great at, but um but it does add credibility and uh but besides that it keeps me current on financial issues that are going on and i appreciate that and um i worked so hard to get the darn cpa <laughs> but i am not giving that thing up to pull it from my cold dead hands well i'm glad to hear that because that <laughs> does position you perfectly to talk yeah. about the uh tax bill that um seems to be working its way through congress right now i like it I, lauren i like it i haven't it. even set up the question yet Gene. <laughs> let's just uh I, I haven't I actually haven't checked my uh, mm. my phone in the last ten minutes, so I'm not sure I'm up to date. But I think where we stand is there seems to be an agreement between the the Senate <clears throat> and the House on uh, a version of this bill. The details have not all been released, as far as I know. I think they're planning on releasing them tomorrow, uh, and then uh, the expectation is that there might be a vote a vote as early as Monday or Tuesday Monday next week. Monday and Tuesday, yeah, that's correct. With uh, the intention of having it sent to the president for signature before Christmas. So there's been, obviously, a lot of debate yes. about this bill. Some people like it. Uh, some people hate it. There, there's Interestingly, that even though there's some tax cuts in there for small businesses, there have been small business organizations coming out against it. Uh, you, in fact, though, as you've already given away, are, are a big fan of this bill. Tell us why. Yeah, I, First of all, um, so a good amount of the details have been released already. There are still that are more to come, but enough that we can certainly talk about. And I know, you know we don't have to get into this, you know, a political conversation. We'll just talk about tax reform as objectively, and we'll try to do that. We'll try to do that. Um, but first of all, let, let, let's let, let's all take a step back, my fellow business owners, and and let me say this: I appreciate you wanting more of a tax cut because if you're only you're only successful if you ask for more. You might not get it, but come on, I appreciate. It. I have a lot of respect for people saying that's not enough. I want more. But take a step back and say, God, everybody, everybody. For the first time in 10 years, we're, we're, we're getting a tax cut. I mean, many individuals, and we'll get into, I can get into some of those details, but particularly businesses themselves, we're actually seeing a tax cut. We're not seeing more taxes being laid on us. We're not seeing an increase. So let's take a step back, first of all, to appreciate that you know, as, as one thing. Number two, when people are concerned uh, that it's, it's not enough is being done for the middle class, or it's not enough of a middle class tax cut, 
I completely and 100% agree uh, in the sense that this is not a middle class tax bill. I don't I don't think it is. I believe it is a So it's being sold on false pretenses, but you're in favor of it anyway. Yeah, and well, here's the thing. When you say it's being sold on false pretenses, I mean it is it's a corporate tax bill. It is it is That's a, not how it's being sold, but you're right. It is a corporate tax bill. And um and so maybe, you know, it is the fault of the people that are positioning because they're in politics, so they have to appear, you know, they appeal to the masses. But let's take a step back and look. Corporations, for example, if you are a C corporation or a regular corporation, your tax rate right now is 35%, which is one of the highest you know, in the world. It except is, that. Except what? Except that nobody pays that full amount. Well, that is true, but you have to have that as a starting point. And we'll get to what they actually pay for because not only is the rate itself so high, but now in the latest version of the bill, it's coming down to 21% while still retaining all of the major deductions that corporations are used to getting, like for capital expenditures. And even people are talking about the R&D tax credit going away. That's in the most recent bill as well, so that's not going away either. So as corporations are looking at, they are looking at some type of a tax cut, and at least the corporate tax rate itself is coming down significantly um, as a starting point from where it originally And that's important to you. Why? Well, there's a couple reasons why I think that's important. I may be. Oh, and by the way, one other thing, just to even add to that, uh, the repatriation of cash that's overseas. You know, you have companies that have billions of dollars that they're holding there, and now there's this one time you can bring it back in the country for a twelve percent rate or a fourteen. I think one twelve or fourteen percent. I forget what was agreed on. So that brings cash back to here. So why do I why do I appreciate that? As a small business owner, um, I love big corporations. I think it's awesome for big corporations to get money saved on their taxes uh, because I truly believe that big corporations will use that money in one of four ways. Okay, um, Number one, I think some corporations will use that to hire more people. I think that's great. I think number two, I think some corporations will use that to reinvest because it's excess cash. I think some corporations, if they don't reinvest or they don't hire more people, I think they will use it to further fund their operations, meaning providing better benefits. And because, again, it's a tight labor market and they need cash and and whatnot to be competitive. And I think that will benefit their employees. And you know what? If the corporations do any of the above three and they just hold on to their money or they buy back their shares or they give it to their shareholders – is that not good for the corporation's balance sheet and financial condition? Does that not firm up their financial position? Does that not firm up the instability in our stock market where you and I have so much money invested and pension funds of the middle class have so much money? Isn't that also good for the financial well-being of the I think it's great to give money back to corporate America. There, I'm done. Thanks You're for coming done. out today. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Stay right here. Go ahead. I'm talking to Gene Marks, CPA and small business owner. Um, if you have a question about the tax plan or about your business, anything you want to kick around, give us a call at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Sticking with uh, taxes, Gene. Are you under the impression that corporations in this country, by and large, have had a shortage of cash of late? <laughs> no, I think actually corporations, um, you know, they themselves have been having very profitable years. And I think they are very wary as to how they spend their cash. They haven't been spending a lot of they, that cash. They have not been spending. And the big reason, is there a reason to believe they're going to spend? Well, I think a big reason why they haven't been spending a lot of their cash is because they've been under a very, um, you know, sort of a non, sort of an anti-business and high regulatory environment over the past eight years or so. 
and the prospect of what they should do and whether there will be growth has kind of been holding them back. I see among my clients and a lot of the people that I talk to around the country um, way more willingness to invest and spend cash in the years to come than they've ever had in the past five or eight years. So it is a different – it's not going to happen overnight. Um, well, I don't know. I guess it comes down to you know, everything you said could be true, and I'm not an economist. It could work out that way. I wonder if you know if we're going to spend that kind of money, if there might be a, a more sure thing approach, uh, a better way to make sure that the money Reasonable. does what we would like to see it do. For example, you know, we all know we have a problem with infrastructure in this country. True. If you're going to throw around a trillion dollars, throwing a trillion dollars at fixing bridges and mass transit and highways and and all of that, you know, th- you know that's going to lead to jobs. Um, it would. I mean, I think I, I, I do agree with you there. I also think that um, your, your point about spending money where you know you're going to get some type of a return, um, whenever you look at any proposal of the government to spend money, there is always going to be people on both sides saying it's going to work or it's not going to work. So for everybody that says a trillion dollars in infrastructure will create a lot of jobs and spur the economy, there will be an equal number of economists that will have an opposing point of view. I want to come back to this, mm-hmm. and uh, I want to talk specifically about the uh, impact this has on pass-through businesses, yes. and I know you are extremely well-qualified to discuss that, but let's take a phone call. Eric in California, welcome to Mind Your Business. Uh, hi. Thanks. Um, I am a small business owner. I actually own a law firm that deals with work injuries, and we have grown from four people to 30 in about three and a half years. Congratulations. Uh, treating it more like a... Thank you very much. Turning it more like a business than as a law firm. Good. And I am very concerned about what's uh, what's lying ahead for this tax reform as, one, my taxes in California will probably go up because of the loss of the salt deduction, property taxes, mortgage interest, et cetera. And, um, but really, this uh, the vast majority of people in America are employed by small businesses, not by large businesses. And uh, it doesn't really help service businesses at all. Um, and I want to know how you have a take on that. That's a great. No, it's a great question, Eric, and I appreciate that. The um, so a few things there. The the salt, the state and local tax taxes now in this new bill, um, we can all deduct up to ten thousand dollars a year uh, related to those taxes. And as far as mortgage interest, uh, they've changed the requirement with again this this new reconciled bill. Uh, that would allow interest on mortgages up to $750,000 a year uh, to be deducted. And then what, what they're also doing is um, you know, they've, they've doubled the size of you know, the standard deductions that a lot of us can take. So you know, a, married, a couple that's married filing jointly right now can take a standard deduction of $12,000. Uh, the new plan will double that to $24,000. Um, and then on top of that, they're reducing the actual income tax rate uh, for a married filing jointly, you can earn up to $250,000, and their their top tax rate would be uh, 25%. So I, I do think that there are – you have to go through your own individual tax calculator to see how that will affect you, you know, yourself. But I do think that there are a lot of people in this country that will have a, a good benefit from a lot of these deductions and a lot of these decreases in the rates um, that I think is going to remember it's it's in the right direction. You know, I mean, I still it's not it's a it's still a tax cut. We're not having tax increase. Eric, could you explain one thing to me? I'm perhaps not as familiar with this as I should be. In what sense are service businesses exempt from any benefit? What do you mean by that? 
my my understanding is that the new tax code will reduce the amount on uh, the the tax rate on the distributions in S corps. I don't know about LLCs, but the reduction is you're an LLC applicable. I'm a I'm a pass through. Oh, you are. Yeah. So um, so Gene, shouldn't LLCs he get the the reduction as well you would so so eric you're you're absolutely I, I right won't. hold on hold on go ahead they're, they're not sorry they're they're exempting the they're exempting the reduction for service businesses so law firms accountants anything that's a service business does not get that reduction in distribution tax rate so eric um first of all you're exactly right that there was in the original house bill uh there was an exclusion of a bunch of different you know pass-through entities that would not be able to benefit from this. Those rules themselves have been relaxed as part of the reconciled bill. That doesn't mean that you right. might not still be excluded. I can't I can't say for your specific situation, but I do know uh, that the relaxation of rules in this reconciled bill um, will include most pass-through companies. Now, they're not reducing the rate now in this reconciled bill. What would happen is that whatever business income that you have in your S-Corp um, you take an immediate 20% deduction on that, and then the rest of it is subject to your individual tax rates, which, again, have been lowered for a lot of people. So I so – go ahead. I, I, think that's, I think that's great. Can I go slightly off topic in how this will affect uh, – my business deals with work injuries, so we're sure. constantly trying to figure out how many how many people will be employed in the next 10 years, the next 20 years, and so – I do quite a bit of studying on AI and robotics, especially being across the bay from Silicon Valley. And um, for an example, they've just installed a RoboCop at the San Francisco Humane Society to clear off homeless people in front, hmm. for replacing their security people with $6 an hour robots. Hmm. So um, if you take away 47% of the jobs in the next 20 years, Where's the income tax coming from? Where's the employment tax coming from? And now you've just reduced the amount of money that corporations actually pay. So corporations are paying less to the government, and there's very little income. And if they're employing more robots than they are people, then they're not paying employment taxes. So where are the coffers going into? Uh, how are they going to be kept filled? I hear you. I hear you. And yeah, we're going to talk about technology trends if we have time later on, because uh, robotics and 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 that automation is a huge issue that will be affected, just like global warming and just like you know drones and um, Eric. That's a big issue. It's a big issue. We we will try to get back to that. I think we're we're having enough trouble sorting out what's going to hit us in uh, in the next twelve months. <laughs> but let I respect alone. I respect your I respect your opinion on it's, that because it is certainly an issue. yes, it's a legitimate concern. Eric, yep. thank you very much for your phone call. Thanks, if Eric. you have a question about your business, call us at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Let's go to Drew in New Jersey. Drew, welcome to Mind Your Business. Hey, guys. I like the uh, conversation, and I think it's crazy that you think this, is a tax, uh, this tax deal is good. It's crazy. I would T- expect tell us you why, to say Drew. that. Being tell us why, Jersey. Drew. I think I know why. Go ahead, Drew. <laughs> well, for, for, first off, why would you need a stimulus for corporations when they're sitting on cash and the stock market's been the highest it's ever been? There's, there's no business issue, right? There's no business issue. Number two is, Where's the data that says this trickle-down stuff ever works like the Reagan era? That didn't work. Number three is if you really want to – and, yeah, 
two-thirds of the tax breaks goes to corporations. And you know why it's only two-thirds? Because if you give the uh, middle class or us as taxpayers more, then it, it impacts what the corporations are getting. I have two kids in college. You know what? You want to help middle class? Have every dollar tax deductible that you're paying for college. Mm. You were talking about limitations on what they're giving to us as taxpayers. It's because it's, it's because they don't want to take it away from the corporations. Okay, think, Gene, before you answer, yeah, uh, I think Drew's asking a great question, yes. and I think most economists are, are siding with him on this in the sense that th- there really isn't a strong argument for economic stimulus right now. And, it, and it's a little bit interesting that a lot of the same people who are backing this stimulus opposed the stimulus, uh, you know, eight, ten years ago when we were coming out of the recession. Right. So true. And clearly, so true. you know, back then, most economists would tell you, when the economy is shutting down, you, that's when you need the stimulus. This is a very different environment today. Go ahead. Tell us why we need the stimulus now, Gene. You're <laughs> well, on. the biggest reason why I think – and by the way, Drew, your points are really well taken. And for somebody who just paid uh, for three college tuitions for my kids – Simultaneously. Com- yeah, I, I completely empathize with you. And by the way, that's a whole other conversation as to whether or not the government should help us out with tax deductions or really if there isn't a, a, a bigger problem among how – universities spend their money in their infrastructure, but that's a whole other conversation to have. Um, as far as um, trickle down and do we need a stimulus or what, I mean, you know, the economy itself, Lauren, has been growing at an average rate of about 2%, you know, since the recession. It's like the, it's the, it is the slowest growth post-recession ever in American history. Normally, after a recession, economies, the U.S. economy has grown, you know, 3, 4, 5%. Um, Trump himself, and again, I don't want to say like a supporter, is there his whole you know, viewpoint on here is that the more that he relaxes regulations and reduces taxes on the business environment, it allows businesses to finally feel the the freedom to invest and grow and 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 what have you. And I don't know if it's you know to his credit or not, but the economy itself just came in and now grew last quarter at three point two percent rate. Um, they are looking for growth even higher. That's what the administration wants to do. Whether or not they can achieve that or not is something else. But when you talk about is there a need for a stimulus, I think absolutely there's been a need for a stimulus. What I hear from most of my clients is that um, they're struggling, um, you know, and battling to get new clients and to keep their overhead under control in an economy that's growing at a very slow pace. So. Uh, the idea here is that you know giving corporations that much more freedom and flexibility, reducing their tax um, burden, um, is going to help them um, you know you know, reinvest and hire, and we'll see. You buying it, Drew? <laughs> no, I'm buying a little bit of it, but that all the data shows that when you invest in the, and give money back to consumers, that's one of your highest rate of returns. And the reason my my what I from what I read, the reason why companies are struggling is because consumers don't have the cash, right? So if you give the cash back to consumers, that's going to go right back into the economy. It's not necessarily going to go back to the economy when you give corporations tax breaks. Right? The only thing I can argue with you there is that, you know, in the Bush tax cuts that he did before he left office, that was a, you know, it was a big rebate that went back to consumers. And um, it added a ton of money to the national debt. And it didn't, you know, from what what I read did not create well much for a similar further, reason. It was weighted demand. towards very wealthy people who didn't need to spend it. Had it been weighted toward consumers who needed to spend it, needed not the entirely, money, it might have been different. Also, the same thing. I mean, when you know, and President Obama had his trillion dollar stimulus as well when he took office, and that was towards infrastructure and and whatnot. And there was not it was uh, sorry, it was seven hundred eighty seven billion 
Um, and that, you know, again, you know, whether or not that contributed um, to the country's growth or not is still it's, it's argued by a lot yeah, of economists. That, that, that's, a gr- that's a great example, because at that time we were headed to a depression. Hmm. Right. And can you imagine if there was not stimulus? Think about if we were in a great economy and that kind of money was put into the economy, right, to, the, to, to people's hands, the impact it could have had. Plus, back then, uh, the people who argued against it, the same people who are supporting this plan now, argued that it was going to unleash terrible inflation, oh, even know. though at the time there was you know, tremendous unemployment. Today, uh, there's practically full employment. And if you do get the stimulus that you're talking about, the, the threat of inflation should be um, you would think much I higher could, today than I, it would have been back then. And I completely agree with you about the people that were arguing against the stimulus back in, um, you know, back in that time with Obama are, are the very people now that are saying, well, that's fine. We can use this and increase the deficit. So uh, I can't argue with you there. Drew, thank you very much for Thanks, your phone Drew. call. We really appreciate it. Um, Let's take a uh, quick break. When we come back, Gene, I do want to get to the pass-through income and go through that a little bit more in detail, how exactly that affects uh, small businesses. It is something that, as you pointed out, has changed from one plan to the next. And I think it would be good to try to figure out exactly where we stand with that. Uh, If you have a question, please give us a call. Our producer, Michelle Stucker, is standing by, ready to take those calls. We're at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-942. 7866. I'm Lauren Feldman. You're listening to Mind Your Business, and we're on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM 111. You're listening to Mind Your Business with the Wharton Small Business Development Center. Here again is Lauren Feldman. Welcome back to Mind Your Business. I'm Lauren Feldman, and I'm here with Gene Marks of the Marks Group, a consulting firm that helps small businesses with their technology needs and who writes about that very topic at Forbes.com slash small business. And we're taking your calls. If you have any questions about your business or about the topics we're discussing, including the uh, current uh, tax cut plan, please give us a call. We're at one eight four four wharton That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Gene has promised I want to get back to the uh, pass-through issue. As yes. you pointed out, this is something that has evolved through the plans. Uh, initially, it seemed to be weighted in favor of people who have uh, S-Corps, pass-through setups, but that had um, passively earned income as right. opposed to people who are actually working in a business and running it. So someone, someone who owned a business but didn't work in it would be favored by the tax cut. Someone who is actually in the business, in the trenches every day, would not get it. I think that's changed, though. It has. Um, and it was. And your, your point is exactly right, Lon. I mean, the, and that was the first House bill. Um, and it got a lot of, you know, a lot of you know, negative reaction. The National Federation of Independent Businesses uh, came out against it. It was uh, it, w- it was a lot of hullabaloo. Um, that's changed. So, you know, the, the Senate took a different approach to it. And now this reconciled bill um, for the most part. And again, it's tough for me to say everybody, you know, is it would that's has a pass through business would be included in this. But I can I can comfortably say that most pass through organizations um, would be able to take advantage of um, the new rules that'll be in the in in, in this reconciled tax bill, uh, and, and first of all, pass through organizations. Just so we're clear, you know, if you own a business and you are an S corporation or you're a partnership or a limited liability, my company is an S corporation. So right now, under current tax laws, whenever whatever money or profits that my company is showing at the end of the day, it comes through onto my individual tax return, and then it gets taxed at individual rates. 
And for some people, those individual rates um, can be, you know, can be quite high. So you're getting, you know, your, your business profits are being taxed at those higher rates. So now in the reconciled bill that's going to be going up for vote next week, um, what's going to happen is this. Whatever you earn from your business, you immediately basically take 20% off the top. It's like a 20% deduction. So the 80% that's left, that goes onto your individual tax return and gets taxed at your individual rates, whatever they may be. And again, individual rates have come down. I mean, I just, I, I want to say, I mean, the average, the typical small business owner, um, the typical makes anywhere from forty to ninety thousand dollars a year, um, because the typical small business is not Facebook and not on the. They're not being the typical featured. small business is small. Yeah, they're small. They're not. No offense, but they're not being on. The, they're not on the cover of Forbes. So, magazine. how much difference is this going to make to them? Well, because what happens is that whatever income that they're making there, um, a minute twenty percent of it gets taken off. Then the remainder comes to their personal returns, and then there are lower individual rates. Those rates now have gone down to as low as twelve percent, making up to ninety thousand dollars, which is a lot less than what they were before. So I think those small businesses, if you're running a small restaurant, a coffee shop, you're a merchant, whatever, I think that you're going to be seeing some good tax savings, not only from the, the, the pass-through rates, but also your individual rates as well. And, but, and also, all of those rates themselves are there um, along with certain key deductions that still remain, like capital expenditures that you can write off against your, against your business. And if you do have a business that does some research and development or develops new products or services, that research and development tax credit did survive, and that'll be, that's there as part of the new bill, and that's something you should also be revisiting. Have you figured out how much money this might put in your pocket? <laughs> I have not gone through the math yet. And that's why it's... What, I, what do you think? It, do you have a sense that it's going to be, make I a do. difference to you? I and, do have a sense what, it's going to, but you know and, what? And what will you do with it? So that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I haven't decided what I'm going to do with it, but if, whatever excess cash I have, because my assets are people, I have 10 employees... Um, one of my, my objectives next year is to spend more on training for everybody and get them more certified because the smarter they are, the better work they'll do with my clients and more services that we can potentially sell. So as a service business, I'm doing whatever I can to reinvest in my existing people. Will I hire more people? That depends on if the economy grows as hoped and we have more demand and therefore I can bring more people on. But at the very least, I'd like to invest in my existing in my existing people. But I still say even if I stick the money in the bank, I still say that that's a good thing for the economy for you. and a good thing. Yeah, well, <laughs> certainly a good thing for me and a good thing a good thing. Well, there are a couple of things we should probably point out. One is that it's not absolutely guaranteed that this thing's going to pass. They do Very have true. some stuff to figure out. Very true. Uh, it sounds like they have a deal, but they have to get the votes next week. They got to vote for it and again. That's right. You know, they have conflicting interests and what satisfies one person might offend another and they have a very narrow margin for error here. So, it's not a done deal. It's not certain this will pass. Um, can the, I, other, can the other thing, I, go ahead. I just, I just have to say, um, Lauren, is that we're, people are saying, like, okay, so what's in it for me? We're doing this today. What is today? December? Is it the fourteenth? Fourteenth. Fourteenth. Okay. So you got like two weeks left in the year. Hopefully, you've already done your tax planning, but this does kind of change a lot for you. So, for goodness' sake, you should be talking to your accountant this week because this is like all happening. And the biggest advice that we're giving to our our our, our clients is that if this bill does pass and you know corporate rates and individual rates are going down next year then it behooves you to legally 
whatever whatever income you can defer to next year when rates are going to be lower, you want to try to do that. And what other deductions that you can accelerate into this year when rates are higher, you want to try and do that as well. It might it makes sense, for example, to pay your employees more bonuses this year because you can take that deduction this year. Um, and in a higher tax In the hope that uh, your tax rate will be lower next that's year. Correct. That's that's, correct. that's a great suggestion. Yeah. Are, are there any others like that? Anything <laughs> else that uh, – because I think that could be really useful. Yeah, that is – that. that's the number one thing. The second thing is, is that I don't want to um, – you know, I don't want to um, – uh, push people away from from putting money towards retirement plans as well. Not enough of us max out our individual IRAs. If you don't have a four hundred one k in your business, it's a few hundred bucks to set up. Five twenty nine plans. We had a Eric who just called in before is like trying to pay for college. You know, if you have any excess cash that you have this year, what's great about it is that um, you put away as much money into a five twenty nine plan. It's after tax, but then it grows tax-free, and then you can use it for higher education. So um, make your plans to do all that this year as well. And finally, um, this year's tax your year still has the Section 179 deductions for capital expense, accelerated depreciation. So if you're thinking of buying something like a piece of equipment or computers or, or whatnot, you want to do that this year when rates are higher. You take that deduction this year. And even if you don't have the cash to do it, if you get a loan from your bank, relatively low interest rate still, and put it into service before the end of the year, you can get the full deduction for that up to $500,000 for a lot of companies this year, um, as long as it gets put into service and you don't even have to pay for it if you finance it. So meet with your account, for goodness sake. You're listening to Mind Your Business. My guest is Gene Marks. If you have a question about starting or running your own business or about the tax issues we're discussing (laughs) or about uh, small business technology, give us a call. We're at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. The other thing I just wanted to note is that in uh, creating this bill, in the effort to pay for the tax cuts, there are other provisions that people should be aware of. Mm. Uh, That includes getting rid of the uh, Obamacare uh, mandate, yes. which is expected to result in millions of people losing health insurance. There are also there's also the possibility of it triggering cuts down the road for uh, Medicare, Medicaid. There are other things that could uh, obviously, if you're in those populations, you could be directly affected by it. They could also have a, an impact on the economy. It's the the issue of you know who is getting the the tax cuts, mm. where the money is going, whether it's likely to be spent and contribute to um, more economic activity or not. Just, do you have any concern about that? Team? I have a couple of comments on that. The, the individual mandate and the health care is a mess. And we're all dealing with that as business owners. And the costs are going to go up next year. And it's it's a mess. The idea of getting rid of the individual mandate, though, was supposed to be a, a tax savings for the lower income individuals because they decided not to get health insurance. They would have to pay this penalty. Because the individual mandate that would if they own their tax return. Now I'm just saying that's what the you're, you're not saying. Is. This is being done as a favor to people. That's the reason. Well, the reason well, what to get rid of the the mandate was to. The, I'm just saying this is the position of it is to say, well, for for lower income people, they can take those tax savings and then go to the exchanges or buy their own health care or not do whatever they want. But it's supposed to be it's supposed to be a tax savings. That's the reason why those whole individual mandates being pulled out of the conversation. But then another that's big a issue. Very- 
positive way of looking at well, it. No, no, I think that's that is that is when it, and then the other, of course, when it comes to health care is and, and I talk about this a lot. This is going to be a big issue in 2018. And, and Trump himself is he is on a war path to bring this back into Congress and get something done to, you know, you know, fix the mess that everybody's created, him included. Um, and I think that, that issue is going to be this is just forcing that issue along into 2018. Second thing I want to say is the um, let's not forget that this is contributing another one point four trillion dollars to our national debt over the next 10 years by a party who has always been against, you know, more debt. Not and more always. Deficits. Yeah. Well, you know, so that's another concern. And then the final thing is I've been going on and on. So you are concerned about the deficit. Uh, I don't know if the deficit is good. It sounds really bad that we have 20 trillion dollars in national debt. Any business owner I talk to scratch their head and says, how are we ever going to pay for this? This sounds really bad. And then you have some economist, Paul Krugman, who's from The New York Times, who says, well, as long as we can service our national debt, it's really that's what governments, you know, they can have it. So who knows? Who knows? That's another. Well, well, one thing standard economics teaches is that if you are going to run a deficit, the time to do it is when the economy is struggling, not when the economy is doing well. Well, the idea, though, is that how do you service the debt unless your economy is done? I mean, right now, 6% of our budget goes towards interest. Servicing. Right. So this is a time to service the debt, not to create more <laughs> debt. Right. Well, the, then the uh, opposing, these are all economists yelling, saying, well, you grow the economy, you have more tax receipts, it makes it easier to service the debt. So that's the If this doesn't. In fact, grow the economy. So okay. One final, one final thing I just wanted to say, because I've been harping on about these individual tax rates going down, going down. Don't forget, boys and girls, that's only for eight years. And then the individual tax rates go back up. This is a short-term thing. That's right. The corporate stuff's permanent. Permanent. But the, <laughs> the individual, individual stuff goes away. This is not a middle-class tax cut, everybody. It's a corporate tax cut. And I'm good with that. But let's just be clear. This ain't no middle-class tax cut. Let's take a phone call. <laughs> David in San Francisco. Welcome to Mind Your Business. Hi. Um, thanks for thanks for having me on. Thanks I for calling. Question. I've been looking at defined benefits, and it looks to me like I've been. There's a couple different ways about doing it. Want to find out if it makes sense to do it. I have an S corporation. Um, I haven't really heard anything about it in the tax plan change. Hmm. Just want to see if it's worth it given the lower tax rates and so forth. So let me first of all just make sure that we're talking about the same thing. You're looking at a defined benefit plan to offer to your employees. Is that what you're Correct. okay? So first of all, I don't I, I hardly ever hear people talk about defined benefit plans anymore unless you're working for you know, for a government and even those, you know, that's being, you know, phased out. A defined benefit plan, just so we're 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 on the same page here is define a defined benefit yeah, plan. Yeah, is is where you say to your employees you work for a certain period of time and I'm gonna guarantee you that you're gonna get this pension payout um after you leave us or after you retire. And then what you're doing is you're just you're funding that during the course of the employees term with your company. That's defined benefit. Is that what you're talking about, David? Yes, and it's really more for me and I have one employee. So basically my understanding is how it works is you have a your W two income, it becomes like a percentage of that and you can stack away a bunch of it that's you're deferring taxes on it until you retire. So that's really cool that you're saying that because um, if you're a very small business, um, it, yourself and a spouse, or maybe just one employee like yourself, defined benefit plans are an interesting way to save money because you if it's just yourself um, you whatever you fund it with, you can take a really you, you, you can take a tax deduction. It's still part. It's, it's not been touched in the new tax legislation. You can get a pretty big one, too, because remember, you're trying to define your benefits and those can be a pretty big number. So you can take a nice tax deduction for that. Um, and by the way, if you don't have the cash one year, you can always 
not fund it. You have the ability to do that because it's just you and your spouse or, you know, and, and that's it. The problem with the defined benefit plan, just be very careful. If you're planning on growing your business and adding more employees to your business, they have to be part of that defined benefit plan as well. So now I realize it's just maybe you and one other employee, but if you've got five or 10 people in the next couple of years, you're going to have to be funding their retirements too. And that could be a real big potential liability for you that overweighs any tax savings. Is that a concern for you, David? Um, it could be. I, I understand that you could potentially terminate the plan at some point if it makes no longer makes sense. I, I've heard that's an option as well. You could. You could. But again, you know, it could be expensive to do, and it could be somewhat administratively complicated to do as well. So you just want to take all that and consider. Just so you know, I thought about a defined benefit plan for my little company years ago, and I decided against it because I was afraid if I hire people, um, you know, I'm going to be looking at a big, you know, pension contribution that I've got to make. So we just have a 401k plan, which is a defined contribution plan. It's just fix whatever I contribute. So my, my advice to you is to do a, a 401k plan if you're thinking of just hiring and growing your company. David, thank you very much for your phone call. We Thanks, appreciate David. it. If you have a question about your business, please give us a call. We're at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Gene, maybe this is a good time to shift gears quickly and go to your other area of expertise, small Tech. business technology. Yeah. Uh, let's talk. What do you see coming in the year ahead? So there are there's a lot of technology that are going to be affecting all of our businesses over the next year, and then there'll be some down the road some years. But let's just talk about like over the next year. The biggest thing I think is going to be affecting all of us in this next year um, is is bot technology. Okay, software robots is what it is. And the best example that I can give for that is like social media, right? I mean, I take like Facebook, there's 70 million small business pages on Facebook. There's like a billion users. Are you going back to politics again here, No, uh, not Gene? at all. No, no, no. The Russians are, are controlling Russian bots? all that, right? No Russian bots okay. here at all. But it is, um, it is, it's changing the way so many of my clients um, and myself, you know, we're on Facebook. People are now selling on Facebook. They're servicing their customers on that as a platform. It's becoming just an all-inclusive way uh, to build your community and stay in touch and, and earn revenues. And, you know, Facebook Messenger um, was, was released within the past couple of years. Just this past year I was reading there was like 330 million small business messages on Facebook Messenger. Just wow. you know, It's huge. And it just it is just getting started. And what Facebook Messenger, it's a perfect example of where you can not only create messages, you can have people, you know, you know, ask to opt in and give you their their Facebook IDs and you can message groups of people on Facebook. But now you've got the ability to put buy buttons on there as well with your pricing. People can come back to you with questions. And what's going to happen over the next year is that Facebook, Twitter, other social media platforms are, are building in, and Facebook already has this, bots, right, which are automation. So if, you're, you know, if you send out a message to you know, you know, 200 of your, your people that are following you that you're offering some new deal or some new promotion and people have a question, they come back with questions. You'll be able to set up these automatic you know, bots, you can do this now, that can respond back to them based on the keywords in the question or it alert you if it's worth something else. That's just the beginning of automation using these software robotics. And Facebook is, is one company that's so popular among small businesses. But you'll see the CRM applications that I sell. 
they're all going to include bots so that your salespeople don't have to be responding to every message. You can have some automation involved in it as well. It's going to have a big impact on all Is of that us. something you could imagine uh, your company using? No doubt. And not only that, but we're going to be- With the CRM? Is that where you would correct. do it first? So we have five- People worry like, oh, how do I take advantage of bots? I'm like, don't worry. Don't worry. Whatever software you're using, if you're using Facebook, trust me, Facebook Messenger, they'll, they're- They're, they're going to figure it out. They're going to figure it out for you and get you to use it. Same thing if you're using Salesforce as a CRM. If you're using an accounting software like QuickBooks or Xero- Trust me when I tell you they're building in bots in all of their new versions that are coming out, and there will be plenty of help and use for you to learn how to use these bots. So you have to create any of these yourself. They're going to be part of all of our business applications. And again, they will save us time. They will make us more productive. They will allow us to service 10 customers for the time that it was previously taking just one customer. I think that technology will have a huge impact on on small businesses the next year or two. And and. The impact for you and your business, you see it being able to improve the engagement you have with your customers or just is it saving money uh, or is it saving time? Where do you see the real payoff? Perfect example. Like right now, I'm sitting here, you know, talking to you and, you know, people. I I could have a a Gene Marks bot here instead. Is that what you're saying? Wouldn't that make a lot more sense? (laughs) And like you can program it to actually not like the tax reform package so you can have a conversation just where everybody's in agreement. No, the. um, the bots themselves, like because I'm here, what will happen to me? I have my CRM system. I use Zoho. Um, my CRM system. When people come onto my website and they have questions, they want to chat, they want to send emails, they might have a problem with one of the products. It might be a client, or they might be a prospect that's looking for stuff. Right now, anything that's like that, I you know that my responsibility, I can't really do. When I'm done, I'm gonna have to check my email or see if I missed any chats or whatnot. With bots, all that, you know, a lot of that can be done automatically. So people can get automatic answers. So not only is it making And you're pretty confident that it's going to be effective, that it's going to work the way it's supposed to. Well, and I'll, I'll tell you specifically. First of all, I know you're dubious because you and I are of an age where we're used to technology <laughs> not working for many iterations. But I've told you this story before. Like I used, I, I get medication for my pets, you know, at CVS. And I get text messages asking to renew prescriptions for my dog. And I respond, yes. And then it comes back to me and says, I got to check with your vet. And I say, okay. That's all bots, automatic text messages going back and forth. And that is great for me as a customer because it's saving me time and I don't have to deal, talk on the phone. And it's fantastic for, obviously, for, for business itself. So watch watch those bots. I don't know why you think I'm skeptical, Gene. Some of my why best would, friends are bots. Why would they? <laughs> Well, just remember, bots will be taking over our lives over the next couple of years and have a big. And again, give I, us I, another one. All right, um, I like biometrics as well. I was just at a uh, a Microsoft conference where we were talking about all the ways that we can be hacked. And when I mean all the ways we can be hacked, the guy that was speaking at this con- it was a small group of us at this conference. Lauren, this guy, he asked our permission to get onto. Um, the hotel network, and we got on the hotel network, and he hacked into our phones right through the hotel. It's a whole you don't even want wow. to know. Yeah, it's security is a huge, huge issue. Watch for biometrics in the next couple of years. Biometrics means fingerprints, eye scans, face recognitions. A lot of the business applications that we're going to be using in 2018 and 2019, the large vendors of these softwares are realizing that it's biometrics are becoming, even more so than passwords, the, the most secure way 
to get access to data and access to systems. And we're going to be seeing a lot of the larger companies say to us, you need to be investing and buying in this stuff. And you think it'll work? Yeah, it'll work. Nothing's 100%, but it'll work better than my... One two three four password that I'm using right now. That's not what you're using right now, Gene. Don't <laughs> don't let people think that. I one, know two, you're three, not four, using. It, are you? <laughs> you don't use password. <laughs> a B C D. Um, that's a good one. Do you do you see that coming in the next year? I do. I see. I, we're going to see more and more of it, and it's going to be driven by large companies like Microsoft and Google um, for all the payments that we're making our mobile applications. Um, and then it'll you know we're going to see it coming down to other vendors. Listen, when I travel. And I use that global entry system that uses biometrics that the government – I avoid the immigration line. I just put my fingerprints and boom. We're going to be giving away a lot of our privacy you know, because we're giving over that kind of information. But in return, I think we'll be getting a lot more security. It comes with a bunch of issues, but we'll see it. We're running short on time. Do you have one more quick one? Yeah, you know, I love to talk about um, CRM, but I'm not going to right now. <laughs> I'm going to talk about voice-enabled systems. Uh, just bought my first Alexa. Whoa. Awesome. Whole other. We, we need an hour to talk about Alexa. Alexa. We'll do that next time you come back. Google Home. I'll tell the story about my boss who got an Alexa and what's the Google one? A Google Home. And they argued with and each other. And they argued, other. right, yeah. of course. Uh, Siri, Cortana. It's all being voice-enabled. And Are Amazon, you happy with it? Uh, it's loving it. What and, do you use it for? Uh, well, right now at home, we use it to request news and information and to quiz us. But in the future, we're going to be seeing all those Echo Pods or those devices around the office. That's going to start in 2018. Amazon's coming out. How will Alexa your business, business use it? You give commands, voice commands. Turn off the lights. Open the doors. Uh, you turn down the heat. You don't. How about for marketing or something like that? Do you see anything like that that not, would affect you? No. Not in the next year or two. Gene Marks, thank you so much for joining us. Thank As you, always, Lord. a pleasure. I especially love the fact that you pointed out, you know, we, we, we can disagree about the tax plan, but the concrete, concrete advice of with the prospect of this thing coming to think right now yes. in the time you have left, put off uh, <laughs> any income that you can to next year, take any deductions that you can this year. Correct. Did I get that right? You did. Uh, Gene, always a pleasure. If you want to keep up with Gene Marks, check out marksgroup.net or follow him on Twitter at Gene, G-E-N-E, Marks, M-A-R-K-S. We've run out of time, but we're here live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. My auto engineer, Dion Simpkins, my producer, Michelle Stucker, thank you both very much. You can find me on Twitter at Al Feldman. And if you like what you're hearing here, go to Forbes.com slash smallbusiness. Until next time, I'm Lauren Feldman. This has been Mind Your Business on Business Radio, Sirius XM 111. Thanks for listening, everybody. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.